Welcome to the Intuitively Aligned Podcast, a place for changemakers to cultivate their intuition and foster greater impact in their everyday lives. I am your guide, Sydney Bloom. Hi friends, welcome to today's episode where I'm going to be talking about the important role that embracing playful practice has had for me in my own journey of intuition. I'm going to be sharing lots of reflections on transitioning from being a super serious person and a perfectionist into someone who brings a lot more joy and levity into my everyday life. We're going to talk about why you are cultivating your intuition and the role of playful practice. I'm also going to share some stories with you from my own career and how I've worked to untangle some of my limiting beliefs so that I could open up into greater ease and vitality and actually overcome illnesses that plagued me through my years of perfectionism and burnout. So a lot of people want to know how they can tap more deeply into their intuition. And pretty much like any other skill or any other form of training you would do, working with your intuition is something that needs to be practiced. I think it really helps to be connected to the why of what you're doing. Why are you trying to tap in? Why do you want to build your intuition? Understanding what level it is that you want to be working on can make a really big difference in terms of guiding how you want to approach your practice. Part of why I talk about the why is because in my own experience, I've found that When my why feels expansive, when I'm tapping into my intuition, because it's a relationship that supports me every day that I can give to and receive from, that can be a grounding force, that can also provide me with information, I find that the channel opens in a much deeper way. I've been through other times of life And I think this is really common when you go through a period of spiritual awakening or you have an incredible experience and you start telling everybody about an amazing experience you had, even though you're not intentionally trying to step into ego. But as soon as we start talking about those experiences, people may start to ask questions and being questioned may actually cause you to question yourself. And then without knowing it, we can quickly land in a place of feeling pressure to be able to tap into it on call or to be able to use our intuition to support us in really important moments when maybe it's actually a really new relationship for us to be cultivating with the level of conscious awareness that we're bringing. So I think where we need to start out is that you must establish a practice. Anything where we want to see results in life any relationship that matters to us, any experience that we want to be able to continue and to have improve over time, where our own skills improve over time, requires that we bring some degree of commitment and consistency, honesty, and integrity. And I think those things are really, really important when we start to open up to intuition. I would layer the idea of playfulness into practice because I'm a pretty serious person and I can get really 
<laughs> really intense really quickly. Sometimes my excitement quickly spills into intensity and that can create constriction when, when you really want to be in a state of expansion and openness and flow. We often in our work lives and in the fast pace world that we live in sometimes trivialize the idea of fun and play to me, it's actually one of the most critical ingredients to stepping into a very open, high-frequency relationship with your intuition. And when I view my intuitive journey as a playful practice and not as a, a journey that has some destination that I need to arrive at, if I can embody the playful practice and let that be the vehicle and the destination... I experience so much more receptivity. My sensing is so much greater. My joy levels are so much higher. And ultimately, the clarity that I have and my ability to see into the impact that's possible becomes much more illuminated. Growing up, I was someone who cared so much about relationships that I would often overanalyze experiences that I had. I would come home from school and ruminate over the social dynamics between not just myself and my friends, but whatever was going on in the group of friends. And I think for a lot of people that's common. And I'm aware that I, I probably brought almost a level of anxiety into my hyperanalysis of everything in life. And it didn't feel great. And part of why it didn't feel good was because I would get stuck in my head and I would get caught in loops. And it took me easily until my late teens to loosely have an understanding that I would get caught in loops, but much more deeply into my 20s and 30s to have embodied awareness around those tendencies, that place that my mind would go to, and how I could interrupt those kinds of thought patterns. What I found is that there were core beliefs that I was carrying that would lead me into a series of thoughts and actions in my everyday life, which would then put me into a state of burnout, exhaustion, frustration, not feeling like I could say what I really thought. And by starting to address some of those things, I was able to actually heal some of those health issues. I used to want to also know everything that was going to happen. And I had this illusion when I started working out with my intuition in a more conscious way after I'd had this period of deep spiritual practice. And, you know, what some people would call spiritual awakening, I think for me was a spiritual presencing and stillness and deep introspection to recognize my intuition. And at that time, I really felt like I should know everything that's going to happen. I should know what the outcome of this romantic relationship should be or what would happen in this work partnership. And one of the big teachings that has been revealed to me, which I've really had to ease myself into with a lot of grace and a lot of patience, is that there is such a thing as divine timing. There is such a thing as perfect timing. And part of being able to tap into your inner knowing and your inner wisdom 
is to have the discernment to know when you truly do sense something, when you are getting that gut feeling or tapping into information that will serve you. And when there isn't information coming to be able to recognize and discern that there is a meaning to that quiet as well. And often that quiet means that you need to focus on what's happening in your surroundings, in your daily activities, and to practice a deeper level of trust and faith and belief that you will know when the timing is right. My dad, in his 50s, after many years of a career as a successful Hollywood screenwriter, really fully pivoted into practicing yoga and becoming a yoga teacher who also did a lot of teaching around anatomy in yoga teacher training programs. And he's also someone who's spent a lot of time studying the yoga sutras of Patanjali. And I will never forget this one sutra that my dad would repeat to me whenever I would come to him wanting to know the answers to things and wishing that I could sense in and have all the information I needed with my intuition, he would say, where is conflict when the truth is known? Where is conflict when the truth is known? And that has become a real guidance for me that when I find myself in conflict and I sense myself being pulled into these swirls in my mind, these mental loops, this thing that just keeps coming up and I keep spinning through it, trying to work it out, and I don't reach that point of clarity, it means that I don't actually know the truth of the situation yet. And it has been so instructive for me, and I hope it can be instructive for you too, that instead of trying to control what's going on around you, then also constricting with that, we can actually ease into a deeper state of alignment by having the wisdom and understanding of what's going on that there are times when we are in conflict and whether we need to sit with it and sleep on it or give it time or where there are actually things that need to play out, whether it's in a project or in a relationship or just a matter of timing, like the timing sometimes just isn't right. Having that insight through that sutra of where is conflict when the truth is known has been so game-changing for me because I feel like it's taken my ego off the hook. It's not our expanded self that needs to know everything. It's not our expanded self that has to be able to show others how intuitive we are or has to know exactly the right thing to do. It's our expanded selves that actually show us with grace how we can be with things. And sometimes that literally means to just be. So to jump back to where I was at before I started to embody playful practice, I was living this life where I took everything so seriously myself included. I took my work super seriously. I had really high expectations of myself, which meant that I also had really high expectations of others. And I was chronically exhausted, chronically under the weather, fighting viruses all the time. I had consistent monthly migraines and then not giving myself the time and space I needed, let alone the rest, 
to actually recover. I do believe a lot of the dis-ease and illness in our bodies has teachings for us. It's a part of us learning to become present and really receive from ourselves what we need to know. And I'm, I'm not by any means saying that just because we can have knowledge of what's happening in our bodies that we should try to heal ourselves alone. I really strongly believe in the kind of care that we can get from professionals, whether it's a doctor or a naturopath or other healthcare providers. So I was exhausted. I was chronically sick. I had consistent monthly migraines, sinus pain, lots of inflammation and irritation in my body. And I felt like nothing I did would ever be enough, whether it was in my work or a certain friendship or in my romantic relationships. And I spent many, many years not recognizing what it was that I needed to change in order to not have my body experiencing that level of stress. And I can remember having a performance review with my old boss in one of my jobs. And she gave me great feedback. The projects were going really well. I was a superstar. She and I collaborated really well together. And I asked her for feedback on something that I could improve. And she right away said, I needed to start saying no, and I needed to start delegating. And it shocked me. And so me being in my rational perfectionist mode said, okay, can you talk to me about how we can measure the change that will happen in my performance? How will we know if I am succeeding? And she right away said, oh, well, when you start to say no, you should find that you're able to execute really well on your priorities because you're now clearing out a lot of the noise that was otherwise taking up time and energy from you. And as far as delegating goes, she said, you'll know that you're succeeding in delegating when you have your team members run with things and you discover that some of the things are really, really successful and some of the things don't work out. And so she said, you have to expect that there's going to be some failure, but there will also be learning. There will be a series of events that you're able to reflect on and report on too. And so instead of you just trying to manage everything, and I don't think I was ever a micromanager for the record. You can ask the people who have worked with me. I think I always took a very lateral or flat leadership model in my teams, but nonetheless, I was very involved and it was just very eye-opening. I felt like I suddenly received the permission I needed to not have to try to be perfect. Like the thing that is now expected of me is to not control the situation, is to let things go, give other people space to be empowered, to use their discernment and their judgment and their professional expertise and see what happens and trust in the magic of what's being co-created. Because certainly being a leader who's constricted and trying to control everything and has way too much on their plate, who then ends up homesick because you're burnt out all the time, is not the way. Part of why all of this matters is because for me, learning to say no actually healed a core belief that I was not worthy of setting boundaries. It healed a core belief that I needed to be perfect that I needed to do it all myself 
And so when you ask me, well, how can I tap more deeply into my intuition? What kind of a practice can I cultivate? I give you this example from my work world to say, think about the feedback that you're already getting in life. Think about the feedback that you're getting in your work, in your intimate relationships, in your trusted relationships. Because of course, if we get feedback from relationships that are out of alignment for us, the feedback isn't that valuable because we don't trust it. We don't feel safe with it. But if you have people in your career, you have people in your family, you have friends or partners who you do really have confidence in and who you know want to serve your best interests. And if you're lucky enough to be getting feedback from them, whether it's structured like a performance review and built into your work world, or whether it's just thoughts that people who care about you are sharing with you, you would be very well advised to listen. It will save you time. It will save you having to go on a spiritual quest and take time out of your life to start really listening. Because listening to your innermost self, listening to the people who trust you, listening as much as you possibly can, that really is a gift to expand more deeply into your own leadership and into your own embodied alignment. And the beautiful thing that happens, to come back to this story about my own experience, is that I actually healed my migraines. And why do I think my migraines healed? Well, I think part of what was happening was that my migraines would surface if I was having a change in my hormonal cycle and it converged with weather pressure and there was something stressful going on in my everyday life. It was almost like my body and my brain would constrict and say, no, you need to rest. This is too much. So how I think that my migraines healed through learning to say no and learning to share and delegate responsibility is that in my conscious waking everyday life, I began to embody a new belief that I was worthy of setting boundaries, that I was worthy of giving myself time and space to prioritize and in receiving the invitation to then practice it in my professional environment, my body got this signal that it no longer needed to move into a state of dis-ease because I was already practicing a different kind of ease, which led me to change my own thoughts and my own actions and bring more ease into my mind, into my body, into my work environment, and into our team, my body received that. My body knew it didn't need to signal that we needed a timeout because I wasn't ignoring the message that I was receiving that I needed to slow down or that I needed to give myself some space. And when I look back on this pattern that had been happening for almost a decade of working and grinding way too hard and not listening when my body said, you need to rest, you need space, and then I would ignore it. You know, when I look at that pattern as it was showing up and 
the fact that my body would then say, okay, you're not listening. I'm going to show you, you need rest. And then I would have the onset of a migraine that would take me out for at least 12 hours, usually the better part of 24. Well, when I changed my beliefs, when I changed my own understanding of how I could be at work, let alone in my life in general, I stopped forcing my body to work beyond its capacity. And so the migraines, I believe, stopped for that reason. They stopped because my body no longer needed to sort of throw up the flag and say, like, we're done. We're tapping out here. And it's not to say that I've never had a headache again, but you can bet that when I do get a headache or on the very rare occasion that I do have a migraine, I stop and I listen and I ask myself, what is my body signaling is out of alignment? Have I been acting in a way that's out of alignment with my true worth, my beliefs? Talking about our intuition and our intuitive alignment, I have to say, as someone who teaches people how to tap into their inner knowing, I think sharing these stories from my own experience are so important because there's no practitioner who doesn't struggle on some level or at some time. So part of what I think is really important about this story is that it shows that sometimes we need the support of others in order to empower ourselves to change a belief that we're holding about how we need to act and about what would serve our best and highest good. And for me, it was such a blessing to get this insight in my workplace because I was such a people pleaser. I knew that I was going to do or I would try to do whatever it was that my boss was asking of me. But to receive something that was really on par with a spiritual teaching around how I could be embodied in my values, how I could shift what was a limiting belief that I was holding in order to show up in my fuller vibrancy at work, that then brought more measures of ease and grace and joy into what I was doing. And it also allowed me to sense more deeply into my knowing while I was at work, as well as in my life holistically. And so for me, when I talk to you about how I used to be so serious and how now I'm embracing playful practice, it's not because I like the way that playful practice sounds. It's because I know that being too serious, trying to control too much, or being rigid and working in overdrive will not serve you. It will not serve you. It will ultimately bring your body into a place of dis-ease and unwellness. And that by embodying more playfulness, by letting yourself show up with that elasticity that lets us receive feedback, that lets us take a pause for the cause and step out and, and take those moments for ourselves that we know we need, but that sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to do, doing those things does serve you in your inner knowing. Letting yourself be playful is one of the greatest gifts you can give to yourself if you're looking to tap into your inner knowing 
if you want to start to sense more deeply into what is true for you, if you want to sense into those more subtle realms of information that you can more easily tap into and channel to serve your best and highest good. And so I really, from the bottom of my heart, hope that if you are somebody who has or currently identifies as a people pleaser, if you're somebody who struggles with working way too hard and creating burnout situations for yourself, I want you to know that a different way is possible. And it's not just possible so that you can do better in your work or so that you don't have to take as many sick days. It's possible because it actually puts you into deeper alignment with your most authentic self. And that is the greatest gift that you can give yourself if you want to live a life of joy and empowerment and meaningful impact in yourself and in your community and in the spaces in which you work and serve. Then you get to live your life in a way where you see how the world around you responds and you will start to receive more of what it is that you wish for that you hold in your heart, those seeds of intention, let alone those dreams of what you aspire to. So please let yourself play and then let yourself receive the joy and the empowerment and the impact that flow in. On the topic of playful practice, I want to add another story into this mix, the story of how I created this podcast. And I think it's a great example Because for years, I very loosely and very playfully held the idea that I wanted to create a podcast, that it was something that I would do. And my ideas around what the podcast would be sort of evolved over time, but I knew I really wanted to talk about intuition. And I also really wanted to focus on intuition for people who are creating meaningful impact in the physical world. And so probably for at least a couple of years, the idea was floating around in my head. You know, with me storytelling, there's always like 10 beginnings to a story. I could start by talking about a voice note exchange that I had with a dear friend in 2020, where I expressed the desire to create some kind of an audio transmission. And at that time, I thought it might be an audio newsletter, which is something I actually did create and which you can subscribe to on my Substack if you want support around your monthly intention setting. But where I'd like to begin with the story today is one night I was talking to my husband and I'd already surveyed Instagram, asking people about podcast mics, asking for different insights. I could have made a decision then and there. And this is where I think there is an element of divine timing in life because I had felt held back and I wasn't sure why. And and in December of 2022, I said to my husband, Dan, I don't know which podcast mic to get. And I know I just have to do this. Like if I don't do this right now, it's not going to happen. And I will be the reason it didn't happen because I know that it's ready to be born. And Dan said, why don't you just send a message to Primetime? And Primetime is what we call our friend Wilson Lynn, who you may know is the producer of the Intuitively Aligned podcast. And he said, why don't you just send Wilson a message and ask him what podcasting Mikey recommends? And so I wrote to Wilson and literally in this very playful, 
exchange of text messages, Wilson recommended a podcasting mic and also agreed to partner with me and come on in the role of producer for the podcast. And so in this instant of a playful message exchange with somebody I trust, literally the seed, I mean, the seed for the podcast had already been planted, but the the birth plan was made and it was made with so much ease and so much gentleness. It really was supported with divine timing. If you ask Wilson, he would tell you that his own plans in the month of December had radically changed. And then boom, we entered into this collaboration together. And one thing that I really appreciated about having a partner in this work, having a collaborator who had experience was sometimes when we try to do things all alone, we end up sort of creating in a vacuum and it's easy to get lost in our own thoughts. You can easily just get into overanalysis mode. But what I loved about working with Wilson was that this is something he'd done many, many times before. And so he had his own method. He gave me a lot of advice. He was extremely both supportive and open and and created a very generative container for us to start recording for me to find my flow. And within months, we had recorded what we thought would be season one. In the end, I didn't even end up releasing it as a season. I just release weekly. But I just want to share that example with you because I think for anybody, it would be so easy to say, oh my gosh, how do you go from zero to having a podcast where you feel confident, where you feel clear on what it is that you're bringing to your audience, like the focus of this podcast, where we're always talking about intuition and impact. And yet, you know, I I dreamed the dream and then I started to talk about it. And then I messaged someone who had skills that could support it. And then we entered into a beautiful partnership. And by working with someone who I trusted and getting lots of other advice from people who I both love and trust and knew would be supporting my best and highest good. I feel like this thing was created in a really playful way. And even in the way that Wilson and I set up our standing meetings and the way that I bring each guest into the episode, we are always opening with our intentions. We are always casting our dreams and our energy into a bigger, more expansive space so that we don't get constricted by self-doubt or second guessing. And as you know, these are things that I've struggled with in the past and I do still struggle with sometimes. That's why I've become so tight in my ritual setting because instead of being rigid and controlling in the creation process, I choose to put my energy for consistency and my energy for clarity into the way that I hold intentions. And then I have just like heaps of faith and creativity around how those intentions get brought into the world. So I wanted to share that story with you to say, if there's something that you're dreaming of, if there's something you want to bring into the world, and you may have no signs or signals that that's anywhere on your own radar of lived reality, don't let that stop you. Go for it. Because that could have been me. And that has been me. And I think it's so easy to have a dream and to not know how you'll do it, and then to say, well, because I don't know how I'll do it, or because I feel really constricted around this, because I'm not sure what I'll do or how I'll do it, it's just not worth it. And I feel like that's 
missing the joy of a playful practice. That's missing the opportunity to come into a deeper relationship with yourself, with your own inner knowing, with your dreamscape, and with the realm of infinite possibility. And if you knew that in a year you could be living in a different life where you're doing the thing that you're dreaming of, well, then what would need to happen to make it so? And how can you sprinkle those dreams into the universe in a really open, joyful, playful, expanded way? And then in a very intentional and grounded way, start to take the steps to make it happen. I'm telling you, it's possible. So when I talk about playful practice, I'm talking about it as somebody who wasn't always like this and didn't always feel so connected to my personal power. And yet here we are. And the secret sauce wasn't grinding harder and pulling all-nighters and really forcing something to happen. It was taking a much more easeful, playful approach. And trust me, I do spend hours working on the podcast and I do sometimes stay up really late at night editing it. I edit the podcast myself. But for me, that's a part of my joy. That's a part of my playful practice. And it's something that I choose to do because doing this lights me up and doing this puts me in touch with not just my essence, but the essence of what I want to support you to create in your own life and what I see us co-creating in the world as people who are more deeply tuned into our intuition and therefore expanding and creating more impact. So I hope you take some inspiration from that. You know, this episode was all about playful practice and really coming into that place where you know yourself and you know what some of your limitations have been. You know your monkey mind and you don't let that stop you. You allow yourself to open up into a more playful way of being so that you can not just change in the way that you show up at work or in your relationships, but you can step into some much more expansive core beliefs that then allow you to become and to create in the ways that you dream of. And so I know we've covered so much ground today. I hope that you've gotten value from this. I would love to know what your own playful practice looks like. I would love to hear about what you're letting go of in order to embrace more playfulness in your life. And thank you so much for being here. To our audience, I want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, share, or click the notification button on your podcast platform. For those listening on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful for a five-star rating and a written review. This will also make it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you want to connect with me more, please join me on Substack. I will be posting longer-form written pieces about my intuitive changemaker journey, as well as bonus audio content, and having online discussions with the Intuitively Aligned podcast community. You can also find me through Instagram at Sydney Rebecca. Yes, that's Sydney Rebecca without an A on the end. Or through my website, www.sydneybloom.com. I also want to give a shout out to our podcast producer, Wilson Lynn. And I want to thank you again for joining me on this journey. I can't wait for you to hear the next episode. <laughs>